This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. The land on which I am lucky enough to raise my son always was and always will be Aboriginal land. This episode of Ready or Not is brought to you by Biobod, intuitive, supportive skincare that restores the foundations of happy skin. Let's do a pregnancy test. And I was like, there's no way. And it came back positive. You're never going to finish your degree. You've stuffed your life up. My career did flash in front of my eyes. Our relationship wasn't surviving as it was. And then deep down knew the twins were going to be that final straw. The sheer loneliness. I couldn't face going to barbecues when I was the only single mum there. What if it doesn't work? What if they don't sell? There were so many self-doubt moments and so many low moments. 20 years old, day one of her university degree and a positive pregnancy test. And then a few years later, twins, a separation and a period of solo motherhood. If that sounds like enough to push university and starting your own business to the side, that's because it is. But nothing was going to stop the natal naturopath founder, Melanie Nolan. Here, she shares her incredible story. From finishing a uni degree as a single mother of three to building her business, from hoping to sell her first shipment in the first two years to selling out in just three months, from moments of sheer loneliness to incredible strength. I'm Lucinda, this is Ready or Not, and here is the powerful and positive Melanie Nolan. Melanie, you're 20 years old, day one of your naturopathy degree. Tell us what happens next. So I had originally been studying a Bachelor of Law Science and it was just not lighting me up, but I felt like it was the right thing to do where I had a few people mention, you got good grades, lawyers earn good money. You need to be a lawyer. Why would you waste your good scores on anything less? Kind of, that was kind of the, my dad especially was sending me that message loud and clear. And so I I just realized it wasn't me. It just, I wasn't my passion. So yeah, so enrolled into the naturopathy degree. I was so excited because I was like, this is me. And I found my calling and I had gone to the doctor that morning because my, I, I'd had a funny, like a really sore armpit and my breast was really sore and I thought there was something strained and I thought I'd done something wrong and he the doctor felt my arm and my armpit like I couldn't really move it and he was like gosh he's like I think your um your breast tissue is very enlarged and I that that doesn't feel normal to me let's do a pregnancy test and I was like there's no way and it came back positive yeah it was just such a funny moment in my life where you know I was at this beginning of this degree and felt like my life is just beginning and all this stuff was happening exciting and I was pregnant and how did you feel in that exact moment I felt faint. I think I was like, I have to go. I feel like so overwhelmed. I need to go sit in my car and call my sister. Like she was the first person I called. I'd always wanted to be a mum and my mum had my sister really, really young. So I don't think the concept was too foreign to me because my mum was 19 when she had my sister and only spoke about it in the best, most beautiful way. So I didn't feel too worried. I think more, I was more worried about my career that I thought I was embarking on and especially it being four years there was a lot of toing and froing of like do I just quit 
so I was very excited to become a mum. That was that was not uh, hesitation, but there was a lot of toing and froing mentally in like, what is my life going to look like? And what have I done here? Is this a mistake? Is it not? So then nine months of pregnancy and then early days of motherhood, what did you decide in terms of how you would make study around that work and how did it play out? I just, I came to the decision that I was just going to steam ahead with my degree and I would obviously do as much as I could in the pregnancy. So I thought I'll do full-time the whole pregnancy and then I'll see how I go once baby's here. It's so hard to know what your life's going to look like. I didn't know how how I'd be coping. So I just went to all my uni classes, you know, with my huge belly and I was just getting through as much as I could. And then Willow was born in the March. So I'd already completed, yeah, I suppose like nine or 10 months of the degree by then. So I took one trimester off when she was born and I'd obviously had the summer holidays. So that was kind of nice. I wasn't having to go when I was too pregnant. And then I thought, I just need to continue on. There's no, if I stop, if I pause for too long, I might not go back. And I was just so, I think I was so determined maybe to prove people wrong as well, because I did feel that message like you're never going to finish your degree. You've stuffed your life up. So I thought I need to continue on. So I just went back full. I didn't go full time. I was doing like a three quarter load for that first year. And how did you find that? How was it navigating that? And what did childcare arrangements look like then? I think it was quite easy initially because babies sleep so much. And so I was lulled into this false sense of, oh, this is so easy. She sleeps so many hours a day. I can get so much done. Um, I did as many online classes as I did. This is 2016. So there weren't many like nowadays. There are so many options online. But 2016, there wasn't many, but I did the ones that I could online. And then I just, every single moment she was asleep, I filled that with study. So I would do all of my studies, lecture, like watch the lectures and assignments when she was sleeping. And then as soon as she went to bed at night, I'd do it again until about 10 o'clock at night. And childcare was my mum. So my mum was just so, so, so helpful. Like I do not believe I would have finished my degree without her. So she was able to have Willow one half day a week so that I was able to sort of cram in the, the on-campus classes in that half day. But I was still breastfeeding so and I got mastitis so often. So I really couldn't be away from her too long. That's how I sort of juggled it for the first year. And then as she got a little bit older, obviously we had kinder hours and things like that. So, and then her, my mother-in-law at the time actually as well, when she was a bit older, had her a day a week as well. Cause I still had to work. Like we still, you know, we still had no money. <laughs> so with her was work as well. With hindsight, I think you said that Willow is seven or eight now. Yeah, she's eight now. With hindsight, do you think you had more energy because you were 20? Like, can you imagine doing that exact thing again now? I know you're still young, you're under 30, but it's different. It's a different energy being 20. I'm really worn out now. Like, I don't think, you know, when you've just finished this huge marathon, which literally feels like the last eight years of my life, you know, the thought of then signing up for the next marathon I feel would be like, oh, wait, I need a break. So I don't think I could do it again at this point. But I was just so determined back then that I don't think anything really could have stopped me. I was I was like, I have to do this because I need to set, set me and her up in a way. 
I guess there's that pressure all of a sudden, isn't there? It's not just about you anymore. Yeah, that's right. And I knew as a naturopath, I would earn more than what I was doing. I was just doing reception work. So I sort of thought, oh, you know, I'll, I'll have us a better life if I'm able to finish this degree. Did any of that pressure come from peers or friends or judgment in that regard? Or was it more just what you know to be the, I guess, the way society that might treat a young mother that drove you? Well, my friendship group at the time when I fell pregnant, um, and I'm not friends with them anymore, um, but they they made quite a few snickering comments when I said, I've actually changed degrees, I'm going to be studying naturopathy. Um, they all said, like, in, in, in direct terms, you're an idiot. Why would you drop a law degree to study to be a naturopath? Naturopaths earn nothing. Um, they're not even recognised, you know, that sort of messaging. And it was just felt like this huge fall in society, like lawyers are up here and naturopaths are down the bottom. Why would you do that to yourself? I had a few family members very lovingly say, you are making a huge mistake. Like you're you're not going to be able to finish uni. So that fueled me immensely because I was like, I, I have to now because you said I'm not going to. I definitely might have felt it just myself too. If if no one had told me, I think I would have felt that too because maybe in my mind I felt like there, there is that negative view of a young mother and I probably had that without realising. So I definitely wanted to just prove everyone wrong in a way. That sounds a little bit silly, but I just felt like, no, I, I can be a mum and do and do what I love as well and build a career. I don't. I didn't want to have to sacrifice one or the other in a way. And so then some three years later, you add twins to the mix. What's (laughs) life looking like at this point in terms of work, study, mothering? Well, so when I found out I was pregnant with the twins, obviously you don't know it's twins until a little bit later on the pregnancy. So I thought, okay, it's just one baby because I had no twins in my family. So that was the last thing I imagined. So I found out I was pregnant. I was like, okay, this baby's born um, due in January and I was due to finish my degree at the start of December forever, like the four years was done. So I was like, oh, this is the best timing ever. And then at the six-week ultrasound, I found out there was twins and my my career did flash in front of my eyes. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. Just because, you know, when you're pregnant with twins, you really don't know what m- it's going to medically look like and whether it will be higher risk. Um, you really don't know when you're going to give birth either. There's not that kind of safe knowing that it's probably 40 weeks. So I was really stressed about the end of the degree because I didn't know whether to sign up to that trimester and try to soldier on and see or prolong that last trimester like till the following year. And it was such a big decision because I was so close and I'd worked so hard. So I, I felt there was a few tears for sure. And I just felt like if I prolong it, then how am I going to find care for three kids instead of just one? And I'm breastfeeding twins. And how am I going to, because all of this was on campus by now, it's all seeing clients and, and patients. So I spoke to like the obstetrician at the hospital and he just said, oh, he's like, I just wouldn't do it because you just don't know when they're going to be born twins are rarely born past 37, 38 weeks. And so he's like, even that, that's taking you to like the first week of December when your uni exams are. So I prolonged that trimester, which was, yeah, it was, it was the right decision because the twins were born on the 10th of December, which is the day of my final exam. So I wouldn't have been able to do it anyway. And so what happened next? Did you go back in March? 
Yeah. Yep. So I went straight back in March um, because I thought just the quicker I do this, it is done forever. And if I prolong it, it just might get a little bit harder. Um, and so the twins were obviously quite little at that stage. So, and I only had one subject remaining. So it was like just this one clinic subject. So my mum was able to have all three girls that one day a week. And I took my breast pump into the clinic and all the lecturers were so understanding. Like I could only do one patient at a time before I'd have to go out and pump, which they were just so beautiful about it as well. Um, they didn't, I mean, it's they probably had to be, but yeah, I felt like, oh, they're, they're, they're making so many allowances for me because I wasn't able to see as many patients as all the other students. And so what was the most challenging part of that time? Obviously you have your twins, but there's also a three-year-old. They're very busy little people, three-year-olds. Yeah. I think stretching myself, stretching myself between everyone, I didn't feel good about the job I was doing. You know, when the twins would nap, for example, I would feel like I needed to finish this assignment or this particular homework for uni. But my three-year-old's like, mummy, come and play with me. And I'm so sleep deprived because the twins were breastfeeding every two hours forever. So I don't think I was doing a good job. I felt like I was letting someone down constantly. Um, but I was like, it's only for a little while. Like, you can do it. Like, you can get through. <laughs> that is just, this is the most incredible story. I cannot believe the persistence that you stayed on to get through all of this. Mm-hmm. So then you graduate, which I'm guessing coincides nearly with the time that you separate from your partner. Mm-hmm. What happens then? You've had this momentous few years of studying and parenting. Yeah. And as we know, postpartum can be an emotional time as is because you're going through so much hormonally, physically, you're sleep deprived. Tell us about that phase. So I think, you know, so my husband and I, our relationship was, wasn't, it wasn't surviving as it was. And then we both, I think, deep down knew the twins were going to be that final straw on the camel's back. You know, the rate of divorce after you have twins is actually quite alarmingly high as it is with, with any couple. And we were already not doing well at all. So I kind of knew that it was going to be any day now. I think that fueled me more though, because I had life as a single mother really I felt like it was coming up and so I thought I have to finish this uni degree because I'm going to be the sole provider soon. Um, so, yeah, he he left and moved out and uh, didn't actually want to be a part of the twins' life. He only wanted to be a part of Willow's life at that time. It's quite different now, but at that time it probably was for the best because they were still breastfed. They were still really little, um, but I found it hard not having uh, um, anyone to lean on in the home my mum would come and stay when she could but it was very very lonely and it was it was the toughest thing I've ever gone through and I don't think anyone around if you're a single mom and you don't and I didn't have single mom friends I don't think that your married friends quite understand what life's like and so I found that that lack of shared experience with others in my life was the worst part of what I was going through. I, no one I knew had twins and no one I knew was single as a mum. And so I found that my mental health was really, really suffering just from the sheer loneliness of, of what I was going through. And then with 
COVID lockdowns, that then happened when the twins were, had just turned one. And so I'd finished my degree, thank God. Um, and so I thought to myself, okay, you've got three little ones, you've just finished your degree. And I knew in my heart, I couldn't go back to work. So I was working at a naturopath clinic as their receptionist and the offer was there to come back as a, I could have gone back to a clinic as a naturopath, what I mean. But I thought, I actually just don't think I can work for someone else. I literally don't think I can with, I need flexibility. I need to be able to breastfeed. So then the idea came to me of like, why don't you try to go out on your own? Um, Which isn't the norm when you become a practitioner, you tend to go out and work for someone else just for that sheer experience, which is such a good idea. I just didn't think I could do it. So again, situation just forced me into that pathway. And I thought I can earn better money in little or time. I can work when the twins are napping and I can work of an evening. And, and it worked really well at that time. Throughout my pregnancies, I've noticed dramatic differences in my skin. And I'm also far more aware of the ingredients in the products that I use on my face. Q Biobod, a skincare brand created for the most sensitive and reactive skin with formulas that are fragrance-free, toxin-free and predominantly plant-derived. From their award-winning Barrier Restore Nutrient Oil through to their replenishing HydraSooth Serum, all products are designed to be gentle on the skin while delivering effective results, making them ideal for skin during and post-pregnancy. Natalie, the founder behind Biobot, is so sure you'll love these products that she's implemented a 100% happiness guarantee. So if Biobot products don't work for your skin, they'll refund you. I've been using Biobot for a few months now and it's a big tick from me. Listeners of Ready or Not will receive 20% off using code READY20. That's READY20. So you're in your mid-20s at this stage, I believe. Yeah, I was 25, yeah. Wow, you're a mother of three. You deal with a separation and then you open your own business. I was a child at 25. I was going out on the weekends and ruining myself and then just doing it all again. Can you believe how much you had to grow up when you look back? Now I have such a soft tenderness for myself, but at the time, I don't know, I guess when you're in it, you don't have much time to reflect on And also, I think if I had have gone down into feeling that way, I might have not come back up again. I was like, I just need to look ahead. This is the situation you're in. Don't. And oh, there were obviously times where I I thought I I can't do this anymore. I cannot manage. I can't be doing all this. But as so many mothers would appreciate when you when you have no other choice, like I had no other choice. There was nowhere I could go and there was nothing I could do about it. You you just keep going. That's incredible. And so how did you actually go about setting up your business from the mechanics point of view of actually getting clients and starting to gather momentum? Yeah. So when I was at uni, the last trimester, everyone in the clinic, we were all starting up our Instagram pages, just sharing general naturopath knowledge, health and that sort of thing. And because of my experience in postpartum with Willow, it was terrible I had no idea what postpartum looked like or what I was supposed to do. Um, So I had a really terrible postpartum. 
to then with the twins, my, my initial postpartum was a lot better because I was really, I had all this naturopath knowledge about how to take care of my physical health. And that postpartum was better than Willow's. And I had three kids instead of one. So it really showed me the importance of caring for yourself in postpartum. So that's where I I sort of I decided, okay, I'm going to niche down and I'm just going to care. Like I'm going to treat postpartum mums. And so I just began that strong messaging on Instagram and sharing as much as I could about the importance of a postpartum plan and postpartum, you know, supplements and all these things. And so just word of mouth, especially when I had one client, then she would tell her friend and then her friend would book in. And it just, it just grew really organically and at a pace that I could actually cope with, which was good. Like it was, it was fast enough that I was earning really good money all of a sudden, but not too fast that I was, you know, like drowning in it. And so were you enjoying paid work at this time? Because I imagine in some ways there was a lot going on, but in others it can be a really nice release. And if you are going through navigating becoming single as a parent, I can imagine that release might have been really nice in some ways. Yeah, it definitely was. And it just because it, I'd been building up for it for four years to finally be able to see your own clients was just magical. And um, I felt so proud that I was there and helping people. So I lo- like I loved that I had that to do, especially in COVID, I was still able to work online and, and that was also a really cup fulfilling thing to do. Eventually though, it did. I did become resentful of how much I was working when the kids were sleeping. And so any kid free time was filled with work and that did lead me to burning out absolutely because I had no relaxation or downtime. It was just work, mother, mothering, work, mothering. And it catches up to you, even though obviously you had no choice and you had to keep going, but it does catch up to you, doesn't it? Did you do anything in particular to recover from, I guess, what was essentially burnout? So as a naturopath, I said to myself, okay, like, you know how to take care of your adrenal glands. So I began taking a bit more of a stricter regime of particular herbs and supplements to support my nervous system because it was suffering majorly at this point. And then I just put in better boundaries. I I sort of, I decided you're not going to work every spare minute. The kids aren't in your face. So I tried to block off more times in my calendar so that I wasn't seeing as many clients. I think when you're single, you, that was all I, the money I had was just me at this point. Child support was not getting paid. So it was it was a choice of like, you, you know, cramming in as much work as you can for the money or continue down into this getting burnt out suffering phase. So I sort of just tried to find a bit of a middle point where I was earning enough to continue paying the mortgage and things like that, but I wasn't resenting the work that I was doing. So yeah, I think just trying to find that fine balance and then trying to do things that I remembered I used to love, like reading a book at night, I wouldn't do anything but work. So that was really nice to just get something from the library and go, no, I'm going to commit to finishing this novel before I then go back into, you know. Things don't slow down after that. You then in 2022 launch The Natal Naturopath. Tell us about, first of all, this idea brewing and being like, yeah, I'm going to do it, even though I've got so much on already, I'm going for it. So I always thought to myself, like when I was seeing clients, um, I wasn't happy with the supplements that were accessible to people. So in Australia, to get really high quality vitamins, you do need a prescription by a health professional. 
And so I was that health professional. So I was writing these prescriptions out all the time. And I thought to myself, well, what about all these women that can't afford to see me or that don't want to see a naturopath? And then on onto an iron supplement, you know, I I just wasn't happy with the ones out there. I just felt like, oh, they're making people constipated. I wonder if I could do it differently. But I really put that to the back burner because I was like, that is just way too much for me to ever imagine doing. And it's a lot of money to develop a TGA product. And so in COVID, I met my now husband, Scott, and we then moved out together and share, we, we joined finances. So that was really nice. All of a sudden, oh, it wasn't a pressure relief. just on me. Yeah. Oh, good old Scott. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so we decided we were, he wasn't going to move into my home because I owned my own home with the girls. I made that decision that I think we need to buy or, or we rented first, but we needed our own energetic space that wasn't my own. And so when we were looking at buying, we decided we'd sell my home that I had owned since I was younger. And so all of a sudden I had this big cash injection because the real estate market was insane through COVID. And so I'd been saving, saving, saving my ass off. And also I sold my house. And so combined, I all of a sudden had a little bit of money where I was like, okay, I could do this. I actually can afford to do it all of a sudden. And I've got some really, really cool ideas that I would love to see come to fruition. And Scott was just like, absolutely. Like, what are you even hesitating for? And I was like, do you realize how much money this is? It was like $150,000. And we've got little kids and what if it doesn't work? What if they don't sell? So he was just so supportive, never needed his permission because it was my money, but he was just like, you got this. Like, I so trust that you make this work, um, which was just beautiful. Um, so I, yeah, I, I went, I went around and found a product developer and we worked on the vitamin range and it took such a long time, this is all 2022, uh, just because TJ products, they have to go through so many loopholes to actually come out to market. And then they were ready a, a year, you know, October 2022. So about a year ago now, they they launched. And what is the process? I'm always quite amazed that people can create things like this. How does it actually work? I'm sure there's a million things. So definitely finding a product developer because they know this. This is his business. He develops products and he did all of the, the footwork to get it approved by the TGA and ticked off. So there's just rigorous, rigorous things you need to hone down in your ingredients, figure out what forms, figure out what can fit in a capsule, um, the stability, whether one ingredient affects another ingredient ingredient so there's a lot of trial and testing with the manufacturer before they send they sent me five capsules of the iron supplement so they do the, the testing of the samples and seeing if it's all good and then you know you've got to submit your evidence claims to the TGA so that you know you're not going to go out and say this cures cures all sorts of things you've just got to hone in on on what does the evidence show for this particular ingredient and then they say, yep, all good, you're ready to go. And then you list it and the manufacturer has to do your your first order, but it's a it's a bulk order. And that's I think the biggest hurdle is is it's the minimum units is just so much money. You can't order a hundred boxes a hundred bottles, sorry. And what were those early days of business like then? You launch, what happens next? I had a beautiful following on Instagram, an audience that really, really I was engaged with. Um, they loved what I had to share with women's health. And so I think that was 
the best thing I did was I'd spent so much time building that audience. And so they saw me as quite a trusted naturopath. And so I had so many people in like beautifully giving me so much faith of like, if you've created this, we know it's going to be brilliant. And like speaking about iron deficiency is just my absolute passion. And so when I launched Evernatal and Iron Biotic October, it was in the morning. In five hours, we'd sold (laughs) $36,000. Could you believe it? Like, no, there's one thing having self-belief in the sense of, I know that I know my stuff and I know that I've made something good. But then to actually think that the world is also going to receive it like that. Could you believe it? No. And I think like you, like you said, I had self-belief of like, I really know my stuff and I know these products are going to be brilliant. And there's nothing like them in Australia. There was a couple of really innovative things we chose to do, but there is that little voice of like, well, who are you? You're, you're, you know, you're 20. uh, How old was I then? I was 27. Um, You're not someone who can actually do this and it's not going to be successful. I just said to myself, look, I've got a two year expiry if I can just sell the first batches in two years, then I won't have lost all of our money. And those first few batches sold within three months. So I just, I was like, okay, right. This is actually a real thing now. (laughs) This is a real business. Yeah. Did it feel like a real moment in time after how hard you'd worked as a mother and as a career person? Yes. I remember I had tears in my eyes on that day when we launched the two products. I was sitting in my car and I was just like, shit, I can't believe you were able, like, I just felt like this real beautiful turnaround moment where I looked back on all everything I'd gone through and there were so many self-doubt moments and so many low moments where you don't actually think, you know, that saying like you're climbing up the mountain and then you look around at the top of the mountain and the view is so beautiful. That's really how I felt. I'm just like, oh, you got up there. You did it. You employ six women. You have a clinic that's been operating for four years. You have a business that's been operating for a year. How are you making it work today with parenting? I don't know if I'm always <laughs> making it work. I think it's evolved slowly as the seasons have changed in my life. So I was able to dedicate a little bit more time as my twenties went to kinder, for example. And then when they stopped, you know, waking overnight, I had that just that little bit more motivation to, you know, do a little bit more in my business. And I think I'm out of survival mode now, which is just a really nice place to be in motherhood. And so I have that space from the girls where they go to kinder, they go to school. So I just use every spare moment that they're not here to work. The girls have never gone to childcare. That was just a decision I made when I felt like they did want, they did go to childcare once. They went to one session and they both came home with gastro. And I remember thinking, and I have a bit of health anxiety myself, and I remember thinking, I can't do this. I I can't, I can't send both of them constantly and get sick. And I'm, you know, I'm working for myself. I'd let all these clients down. So when I was earning a little bit more money, I decided to hire a nanny. And so I was paying her $25 an hour. So I thought to myself, okay, if you can earn more than $50 an hour, you know, you're making that work kind of thing. So that was what I did when they were little. Um, but yeah, now they're in now they're in kinder, it is so much easier. I have those three those three kind of half to full days that I can work. What are you most proud of when you look back now? As we just said, there's a lot to reflect on and you're probably at that point now where you actually can reflect on it rather than just keeping your head down. What makes you proudest? 
I think that I've created the life for the girls that I wanted, but I didn't know that we could have. So, you know, I think any fear as a single mum, I, I was really worried about what their life would look like if it's just me doing it all. And I was thinking, you know, we're just surviving every week, you know, just paying the mortgage, paying the food bills. I was worried that I wouldn't be able to do the things for them that I'd hoped I could do, like just going on a holiday and things like that. And also having such a beautiful role model, a father figure in the house, like that's something, you know, our relationship is something I'm so proud of because it is the healthiest and most beautiful relationship that they get to now see as well, which was, which was important for me. Um, but just being able to give them things, knowing that that was me that provided, that is such a beautiful feeling when there was such a point in my life where I didn't think I could, I could do that for them. That's incredible. And what advice would you give to anyone that is going through a separation or is a single mother at the moment? Lean on the support around you, even if you don't feel like someone's actively offering. I think that's something I didn't do. I, tr- I, I felt very lonely and I didn't feel like anyone understood. So I kind of withdrew from everyone and I went into my shell and that's not healthy. And I don't think that's the right way to go about it. But like, for example, I couldn't face going to barbecues when I was the only single mum there and everyone was married. Like I just couldn't face it. But I think after the first few times it would have been okay and it just becomes that norm. Whereas I felt like there's something wrong with me because I've been divorced. And so, you know, that is the last thing from the truth. So trying to like get out there and lean on your friends and lean on who you've got. And also just knowing you can absolutely do it. That was this huge message in my mind. Like you can't do this. You can't do this. And it's no doubt you can, because as a mother, we can, we really can do what we need to do for our kids. And just believing in that is important. And with that idea in mind on the business front, what would be your best tip for someone that got an idea there might be a mother too so maybe there's you know you could we could make so many excuses of why it won't work or why it's too hard Mm. and they're valid what would be your advice for ridding ourselves of that fear leaning on all the qualities you get as a mother like when I became a mum there was so many qualities that I developed that I did not have before I had my kids and so things like resilience multitasking this huge determination I don't think you you always have those qualities when you haven't had kids. It's just so, so different when you become a mum. You, you just go through so many challenges and hardships and you come out the other side always that little bit stronger. And I think leaning on on that, knowing like if you can mother, if you have kids, you can really be a business owner. The qualities overlap significantly. I would say trying to set aside time to work on the business and maybe not what I did, which was just fill every single nap and bedtime with work, I, I just think that it didn't lead me down a good track of my mental health. So trying to just find and carve out some time where you can to work on the business and done is better than perfect. There is that like holding back and like, oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to release that thing. Or I'm not going to talk about this business until it's perfect. Um, but you know, my first iteration of my website was appalling. <laughs> it's just like, but just getting it out there and getting it and then you earn a little bit of money and then you feel like, oh, I, I've actually got something to offer here and then and then it goes from there. That's some beautiful advice to end with. Melanie, if people want to find your products or you online, where should they go? So my website is thenatalnaturopath.com.au and I'm on Instagram a lot as well at thenatalnaturopath. 
Thank you so much for sharing your incredible story. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Ready or Not. If you liked the show, please tell your friends, subscribe or write a review. You can also find us on Instagram at readyornot.pod. That's it for today. We'll see you next time.